literally Kevin's like, oh shit, the yeah. library was open and I did not learn how to read. Yeah. <laughs> I do not have my library card. And I do not even have the glasses. Yeah. Hello and welcome to our Riverdale podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 27-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I remember way too many details that no one else cares about. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere, and our fun fact for this episode is, if you were in the fog with a power outage, what would you do for a cozy little night in? Mm-hmm. Well, what would you do? Well, I wouldn't do what the characters in this show do. You know what? That doesn't surprise me. I think that what I would do is... Since I don't have any power, I would just watch something on my laptop until my laptop died. Okay. And then instead of lighting candles, I would want to light like one candle, but I wouldn't want the scents to intermingle, you know? So I would would light one, but then the rest I'm going to like turn on flashlights and point them at the ceiling. (laughs) To create some kind of weird like haunted ambiance. Yeah, for light and then probably read a book. Ambience? Ambiance? Whatever you want. Ambience? I don't think it's ambience. It's not ambience. Well, because it's ambient light. Yes. So. But it's ambiance because um, ambiance. Why is it ambiance? Oh yeah. What? I don't know. Because <laughs> ambient sounds too much like amb- ambulance with a speech impediment. It's true. Ambience. <laughs> <laughs> ambiance. 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 Yeah, I think I'm just gonna read a book. That sounds nice. Yeah. My name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 32 year old artist and writer. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. I would do uh, some kind of physical art. So I would have candles and I would try and paint or do something with my hands. I'm a very fidgety person. So that's what I would want to do is like have a purpose. Otherwise, I'm just going to sleep. Yeah. I'm like hanging out on my iPad until it dies. Um, maybe I'll have a nice bath in the dark. Ooh, that sounds kind of good. Yeah. With your candles. Yeah. Well, my one candle. Sorry, your one candle. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds deluxe. Yeah. Today we have words to say about episode 612 of Riverdale. In the fog. Okay, so in the fog, I talked about at the end of last episode that in the fog was some Russian film, right? Yeah. And it and on the Riverdale wiki, it says that it is named after that Russian film, right? Okay. But Blanche came into my DMs and said, "Hey, by the way, I think it's named after The Fog, which is a 1980 American supernatural horror film directed by John Carpenter. Yes. It tells the story of a strange glowing fog that sweeps over a small coastal town in California, bringing with it the vengeful ghosts of mariners who were killed in a shipwreck there." A hundred years before. There's also a 2005 remake starring Maggie Grace of Lost fame. And uh, in fact, on Netflix, the episode is just called The Fog. What? But it's officially called In the Fog. So I'm still confused about that. I think it probably is named after The Fog. But Riverdale, for some reason, is trying to make me look like a fool. So I didn't search The Fog. I searched In the Fog because that's what it's called. They stay trying to make you look like a fool. Yeah. Well, regardless... I think it's extremely funny that Netflix was like, no, this is the name of it. Yeah. Like, tough sh- And so speaking of uh, thoughts from listeners, Sarah sent us a couple more thoughts. Alrighty. So one of the things that she mentioned was that I had talked about how I don't need to hear Hiram sing. Yeah. Apparently, Hiram sings in Wicked Little Town in the Hedwig episode, but he <gasps> o- I think he only sings, like, one one line. I forgot um, about that. Yeah. If the billboard issue is under state jurisdiction, why not just blackmail Governor Dooley again? Is that dude still alive after Double D shot him in the gut last season? Oh, yeah. Who's the the governor? They're still talking about him as if he's hanging out. Who runs this state? Yeah. Governor Dooley. What a douche. Yeah. Governor Douchey. Also mentioned that the, you know, regarding the people leaving the casino for the white worm and everything, uh, headcanon is that Percy's doing 
the whisper thing and convincing people to go back and forth between the two so he can further build the tension between That the makes two. sense. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to once again invite Percy to jump in a well. Yes. She also said, I'm not saying all of Archie's great ideas during 6B have actually been Jughead I- Jughead's ideas, but all of Archie's great ideas in 6B have been Jughead's ideas. <laughs> okay, no, they totally have. Yeah. Um, oops. Also, wasn't Jughead in some serious debt, like 10K or something? Didn't he have to ask Tabitha to cover for him so the debt collectors wouldn't break his legs? Is he putting this statue on his American Excess Black card? Was it an angel donation? How's he doing that? Whatever happened with his ex-girlfriend? I know she came back and did that thing, but then... Then I think she just left. All right. Like, they gate because she was like, can I please have the manuscript? And Betty... She was drugged. Yeah, she... Betty was drugged and then gave it to her. And that was the end of that plotline. I... Think and then and then I think at point some point we see Jughead going back you know in the Rat King storyline uh, right. when she like comes visit him in the hospital. Right. Oh, Percival said dude like an immortal who's never said the word dude. Exactly. That's why I think he's so ageless. He doesn't use colloquialisms like he knows them, but they're not comfortable on his tongue. Yeah. What on earth is Jughead supposed to say to Archie in the ring? He doesn't know anything about boxing. <laughs> Probably like uh, go get him, Tiger. You're mm-hmm. killing it, and that looks like it hurt. Yeah, it's either, yeah, go, or, oh, no, 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 fall oh, back, oh, fall oh, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, she also said, if I were Betty, I would never sleep in that house. Alice has been invading her privacy since 101. We mm-hmm. saw Chick sneaking around her room. She's had Jellybean and that creepy kid taping her in that room, and now Percival, I am never sleeping in that room. Yeah, I would simply just, like, not live in that house. Yeah. And then lastly, you know who else we've seen in, in season six with a tiny little book where they keep notes on people? The devil in Rivervale. <gasps> what the heck? Yeah. We should have really put that together sooner. Yeah. Well, Sarah continues to be extremely intelligent. Yes, and thank you. Uh, Brittany, tutor boot for this episode. I'm going to give it a newt. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first one where I was just kind of like, I mean, I guess I watched it. Mm-hmm. It... It, nothing happened and it yeah. wasn't that it was a, it was a filler episode other than the veggie stuff i would say yeah so if you didn't watch the episode it's one of those episodes where we just have uh instead of the very short like you know sometimes we have those episodes where it's very very short scenes you know like uh, it's tiny little scenes that bring them forward and yes. everything but this is one of the episodes where um there are few scenes but they are all very long and it's mostly conversation yeah I'm still going to give this episode a toot. I had a good time. There were a couple things where I was like, yes, I really enjoyed certain parts of it. And I didn't particularly hate any of it. Okay. So yeah, I'm still going to give it a toot and continue their season six record of <laughs> Fair enough. having no no boots for me. Yeah, it was a it was a full newt for me, but I respect mm-hmm. your opinion. Thank you. Uh, so we are going to uh, cover this episode chronologically. Uh, what do you need to know before listening to this? Uh, Veggie is officially broken up. Moose is back. Seemingly in a permanent manner. (laughs) Oh, Moose. And he and Kevin boinked in the teacher's lounge. Yeah. And, oh, Betty might be pregnant, but we still don't know. And... It's weird. Oh, and Jughead is marked for death. Oh, right. Yeah, he definitely is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Penelope came back and is maybe a good person now? I don't think she's a good person, but I definitely think she's trying to repent for, like, her billion sins. Yeah. So, I guess. I guess. All right. So I'm going to try and get through these fast just because, like, nothing happens. But, like... It's a a lot of talking. It's a lot of... Yeah. It's a lot of everyone just standing around talking. Uh Archie, Betty, Jughead, and Tabitha hang out at Betty's to discuss staging a whole-ass coup to overthrow the council. Didn't y'all already try this once? Uh And then you put those people in charge and then... I don't know. It was a good idea at the time. It was a good idea before everyone got brainwashed. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to host a meeting at Pops at nightfall to gain public support and make themselves the leader of the town. 
Why nightfall? Because it's a secret. Things can be secret in the daytime. Not a pops. Mm, fair enough. Unfortunately for them, Alice overhears their plans and immediately runs to Percival to snitch. Yes. Um, so my first note about this is just that Jughead in the voiceover uses the word prognostication. And yeah. I just wanted to say that's a good vo- vocab word for him. Um, and in the words of my wife, that's a big word for Elmo. It is. Yeah. So they said that Pickens was part of bringing the apocalypse. And I think based on what Tabitha says later, that's probably true. 100%. Yeah. Betty starts the scene in her sunglasses and immediately takes them off so that Lily can act. That was literally like, I'm like, why is she still in the sunglasses? What is this weird continuity with the sunglasses? It's because they're like, oh, we haven't forgotten that she has to wear sunglasses. But then she just takes them off. I'm just not entirely clear why they're staying, sticking with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Okay. So they're like, we're gonna, we are gonna become the council instead because there's four of them there. And Jughead also uses the, uh, says coup de town, which I thought was really good. Coup de town. Yeah. I like that. They include Kevin in their list of people that they want in the meeting because Tabitha doesn't think he's like all bad. And I'm like, I don't know. No, I mean, (laughs) I mean, he's not, but I thought we were supposed to believe that he is brainwashed. I thought we were supposed to believe that he was all bad until now, but. No, I thought he was supposed to be like good Kevin, who's just been brainwashed and like not in control of like the choices he's making. Uh huh. But this episode definitely implied that that's not the case and that Kevin isn't really that brainwashed at all. He's just an asshole. I think so. I guess. Yeah. It's kind of sad. It is sad. Because like. You know. I would say that the Kevin stuff was my least favorite part of the episode. I was just like, I'm so uninterested in Kevin now. They have ruined Kevin for me. I don't think they know what to do with his character. Yeah. So they were just like, uh, let's bring back Moose. And I'm like, that makes me feel like you're continuing to give Kevin more things. Like, I'm sorry, you lost me at the tickling storyline. You lost me. I forgot about the tickling... You know what? And I kind of wish it had stayed that way. Yeah. Oh, and then lastly, as Alice leaves the house, you can see that she has a snake ring. I'm like, okay. She's still a serpent at heart, you guys. No, this is the funny thing, though, is like she has the snake ring on, but she's also supporting Percival, who is extremely anti-gangs and anti-serpents. Serpents. Yeah. Alice, are you okay, bestie? Like, I'm worried about you at this point. She's not okay. I don't think she is okay. No. So, I'm stressed. So, Alice is, pl- so Alice shows up at the curiosity store or whatever the yeah. hell it is. And she has a plan. They're going to use the fog coming into town, aka the wrath of God, mm-hmm. as an excuse to buy time for Percival to make a move. Yeah. And then I wrote, come on, MILF, but I don't actually support her at this point. I'm just sad. Yeah. I think, so basically she says, we have a weather girl at RAPW. We have a weather girl, but she's out sick. And she has been talking about this fog like it's the scariest thing in the entire world. So what if I become the weather girl for a second and I talk about how it's the scariest thing in the entire world and we use that? I mean, it does kind of super work, so. It's a great plan from Alice. I just wish it wasn't for that side. Yeah, and I wish it wasn't Alice. Yeah. Please. She's, She's simply too attractive for this. At Pops, Tabitha watches Alice on the news. The whole town is going to go under a curfew because of the fog, similar to that of 1922, which enveloped their town 100 years ago. So we are in 2022. Um, and I also believe that we are in March, based on what Betty does uh, uh, in a couple yep. in a couple scenes. Yes. But she's basically like, ooh, the fog is really bad, you guys. Yep. It's, it's really scary and bad. Did you notice um, that she said that they're going into lockdown at sundown? Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, oh, sundown town, I got see. it. I bringing it back. And so, and everybody leaves Pops in the moment. And I'm like, hey, have you guys all like settled up your bills or? I know, they all bounce. And I'm like, it, 
It hasn't happened yet, yeah. besties. At least pay. Yeah, exactly. There's no way all of you have tabs. There's only one tab. <laughs> I think it's just Jughead. <laughs> There's only one tab here at Pops. And it ends in Itha. Jughead. Tabitha. Oh my god, I just understood it. I just understood your joke. Okay. Hey, and may I say, sorry. I'm sorry. Thanks. Because that was a good joke. It's okay. Yeah, that was tragic. <laughs> so this scene is useless just for the record this next scene coming up correct there are there are these next two scenes actually are mean nothing and are for no reason it's yeah. like the it's writing 101 which yeah. is show me don't tell me but they took it too literally mm-hmm. so they're showing you the things and i'm like and no, no, then no. telling you yeah <laughs> and i'm like oh my god you guys are so stupid veronica decides to close up the babylonium early since there's literally no one there and the fog is coming that's it it's an entire scene of veronica deciding to close the babylonium because there's no one there there are like several different like named employees of babylonium that we've gotten a couple times like you know brian is her favorite dealer and like whatever peter brown from bbk1 didn't get a didn't get a name but he's around and everything right and now she has this assistant whose name is Jay and is voice only for some reason. We never actually see his face. COVID shooting. It's just easier. And so I'm just like, is Jay even going to like be a person or was Jay just her assistant for this episode? Or like, I don't know. But. Bestie, I wish I could tell you nothing about Veronica's storyline is interesting or makes sense. Mm-hmm. This Her veggie scene, the veggie scene later is actually surprisingly well written and well part of it is yeah in terms of like what they view about their relationship and i think it's weirdly interesting but in general veronica's storylines are not good yeah as for the veronica and reggie storyline that we're going to talk about in a little bit i felt like the points that they were making were pretty good but i felt like the dialogue was clunky a little bit like you know oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's just like they were using word reggie was using words that he wouldn't use and it, it felt a little bit too much like poetry and not enough like dialogue does that make sense that makes perfect sense and that actually it's like dialogue that they kind of actually would have given to cheryl Mm -hmm. you know because cheryl is a very poetic insightful person and they do give her that type of dialogue but yeah it's weird it's kind of like a conversation that veronica would have with hiram yeah um it's just like you know reggie's a himbo and like yes of course he's matured and you can tell based on how and he's actually not stupid he's quite a smart man yeah and based on how he handles this conversation he's very mature and it's and it's great it's just like yeah. Yeah. No, I think I, I summed it up with it sounded a little bit too much like poetry and a little bit not enough like dialogue. And it's the only um scene that I noticed that in or that I felt brought out of. I mean, I think you could just straight up say this sounds like someone writing a TV show. Yeah. Which is what a lot of Riverdale sounds like. Right. But, but however, here. I did want to say that Charles and Cammy absolutely, whatever it says in the script, they are absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just like... I'm just a huge fan of Charles. Whatever Charles does, uh, I'll follow him, you know? And these poor actors, like, the more I see of them on social media and the more we find out about, like, how they make this show, you know, after all this time, the fact that they put in any effort at all is a miracle. Yeah. Here's another useless scene. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Yes. While marking off days on a calendar, Betty gets word from Agent Lynn that there's a new victim who escaped from TBK. Betty wants to talk to her. That's this it. does not happen. Also, it doesn't happen in the episode. No. So, what the, because of the fog, but I'm like, all right, so is that going to be next episode? And that's what the point of the scene was? I don't know. But, however, I do have a little, an Easter egg that I caught. Did you notice which day she was crossing off? No, I didn't actually. So I noticed that it was March. It didn't say March at the top, but it had February down at the bottom where it would have been for like, this is the previous month right okay. and then i went and looked on my calendar app to see if the days m- matched up yeah and it is march march okay. 2022 okay so she crosses off march 15th okay what day is march 15th easter Mm-mm. nope 
The day before St. Patty's Day. That's two days before St. Patty's Day. I don't fucking know. What is it? It's the, not your birthday. It's the Ides of March. Shut up! So it feels like something bad happens on the Ides of March every mm. year. I that that felt like an Easter egg that didn't really come back or anything, but and I don't even know if they meant to do it or anything, but when I noticed that I was like, got it. I hope that these writers are smart enough to do things like that, because that's interesting. If it was anybody, it was probably the director. Or it could have been Lily. Um, I, Lily's really smart. Yeah. So I probably Lily. Yeah. Tony chooses peace and asks mm-hmm. Kevin over for dinner to discuss baby Anthony's future without lawyers. Yeah. Kevin still doesn't think that two serpents can be parents, apparently. Sure. Okay. So Tony then chooses violence and reminds mm-hmm. Kevin of his compulsive cruising and how he's low-key addicted to putting himself in really weird sexual situations. So if you want me to bring that up to the judge, I will. Yeah. And Show Kevin, up for dinner. Literally, Kevin's like, oh, shit. The yeah. library was open and I did not learn how to read. Yeah. <laughs> I do not have my library card. And I do not even have the glasses. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, okay, I'll be there for dinner at 630. Yeah, and okay. I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, here's the thing. It sucks that Tony had to weaponize not only Kevin's sexuality, but his really weird relationship with sex. Mm-hmm. But he had this coming. Yeah. Like, you know, narratively. Like, yes. Real world commentary aside. Kevin sucks so much right now. When it happened, I was like, good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's hard for me to relate to or root for Kevin right now. I I would be rooting for Kevin if Kevin was on a show where the things that, or the choices that he's making would lead to deep emotional therapy or enlightenment or just sort of like a general slowly growing self-awareness that the choices that that person is making are not only harmful to themselves but to others. Mm -hmm. But it's Riverdale, so I think they're just doing whatever they want. Yeah, I agree. And that sucks. Yeah. Because they're dealing with really complicated issues with kid gloves, except that their hands are duct taped and they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Cool. And they're being dismembered by Betty. (laughs) So true. So freaking Penelope is back. Mm-hmm. Back in the habit. Guess who's back in the house? <laughs> that was a, was a sister act too. Joke. I don't think I've seen the film. It's great. You would love it. We it's- only watched the first one. Yeah. The second one's, um, they take over like a school. Yeah. It's really cool. You would actually really like it. Sorry. I only talk about sequels called Battle of the Smithsonian. That's a really, really narrow sequel pool. Sorry. Hmm. Anyway, that was that joke. I saw someone on Twitter say that about the nun too, and I almost died laughing. I was like, that's That's so funny. That's good. Anyway, okay, so she's dressed as a nun. Yes. Penelope explains that after Cheryl basically kicked her out of Thornhill, she traveled the world. You and what money? Aren't you technically a felon? Mm -hmm. And she eventually found herself in the Himalayas at the original convent of the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Okay, this makes no sense to me, because why the hell would the Sisters of Quiet Mercy have been started in the Himalayas when it is so clearly an Anglo-Evangelical society? Yeah. What? No, that, yeah, that just straight up didn't make sense, and I think we kind of just have to, it's Riverdale about that, because it... There's no explanation. Like, it's so clearly extremist Catholicism, Mm -hmm. but whatever. Okay. The sisters have decided that she can pledge herself fully to Christ and join them in being one of the sisters who are fans of conversion therapy and torturing young women. Whatever. She has one weekend to handle any unfinished business before she takes her final vows, and Cheryl is her unfinished business. Mm -hmm. She has a surprise for Cheryl, but before Cheryl can have it, she needs a bath and some food. Yeah. So this 
So from what I understand is that like the Sisters of Quiet Mercy are actually okay, but then the one that ended up in Riverdale was like radicalized and bad. Here's the thing. I don't know if the writers even know. Yeah. And also the Sisters of Quiet Mercy is a really genius name for a convent like that. The name is so good. That's why I was so pissed that they bungled that plot line so badly. Like it's a very, very, very good name for exactly what it is. So I don't really see a good church naming it itself that. You know what I mean? Exactly. So when she says, like, after you banished me, after you made me leave Thornhill, um, I was like, oh, when even was that? I looked on the Riverdale wiki, and that was in the next to normal episode, when she sang her a song and made her leave. And every other time we've seen her after that has been in a picture or in a dream. Oh, okay. I fully could not remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, Was that... I didn't realize that was her banishing her from Thornhill entirely. I think it was because she, like, threw holy water on her and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for clearing that up. Oh, Cheryl does say that every time her mother comes back into her life, she gaslights her. I would just straight up, I think Cheryl and the writers don't really understand what gaslighting is. I do think that occasionally Penelope does gaslight Cheryl, but I think most of it is just straight up abuse. Yes. And, you know, I I do feel bad for Cheryl, but I also have a bit of a hard time because I remember about Jason's body and everything when she was gaslighting Tony. And then she even admitted to it using the word, sorry, I gaslit you, or yes, I did gaslight you. Yes. And so it's like... Okay, so if you know what that is and you know how much it hurts people, why do you keep doing it? it? I think that's a very fair point to make. I think that Cheryl, the writers don't realize that Cheryl has at times been very, very unlikable. Mm -hmm. I do think because it's Riverdale, like, they're just all going to be unlikable at some point. And they're all going to do things that are absolutely disgusting that, you know, we just have to get over for the sake of it. But Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. She does allow her mom to stay, though. Yes. So Jug and Tabitha discuss her time travel abilities. I just have to say, I find this to be the most interesting plotline. I think Jug and Tabitha have the coolest relationship. I think that Cole and I don't know her name. Erin. Erin have really easy, comfortable chemistry. And I think that's really cool. And um, Tabitha, and I've always loved time travel. Yeah. You know? Yes, absolutely. Um, I love a flashback, as I have Mm -hmm. always said. And something that Brittany was saying, that she thinks that working with Erin makes Cole better. I think, and it, I, uh, yeah. And I believe that. I think they're yeah. very good together. I think, well, and Cole actually did an interview where he talked about working with her and how it brought new energy to the show and to him because it was something that was just brand new. Mm-hmm. You know, she was a brand new character and she fit in with the cast really well, but that it's mostly just those two just hanging out together mm-hmm. and he's been really enjoying that. Yeah. Among the things about the show that he doesn't enjoy, which yeah. is most of it. of it and again yeah. i don't blame him so um, yeah dave had said on our discord he had said like i think that aaron westbrook thinks that she or like she acts like she's on a better show yes, and i and i can't help but respect that you put your whole chest into every job you get yes if you're gonna be a regular on a tv show you put your whole ass into that yeah yeah you no matter what the show is and especially and because that. she came in later so like yeah. she still has the energy and the drive to do those things and she still has to prove herself i mean i i Not love tabitha, us, I love tabitha anyone, within yeah. like four episodes but but she's also like cutting her teeth on the show yeah. right so her storyline i just think is getting cooler and cooler and i just love her mm-hmm. so tabitha clarifies like how the extent of her powers robin was right she can only travel within spitty dis- spitting distance of Pops. Yes. Those are her words, not mine. And that she can only travel alone. Mm-hmm. Jug wants her to go back in time and stop Hiram's bomb from going off so that he never loses his hearing and he never gets... He doesn't say that he never gets his powers, but, mm-hmm. like, that would be the consequence yeah. of it. Tabitha claims that she's already tried and failed. The bomb is apparently a fixed point in time 
And trying to do that would a, mm-hmm. be a paradox, which I screamed at the TV yesterday. I was so mad. I can, I understand because, I mean, you know, living your whole life being a hearing person and then losing your hearing must be extremely jarring. Yeah, um, I can see why if if someone gave you the option to get it back and you were new to having that, of course you would go for that. Of course. Of and course also, you, you know, being able to trade his power seems like an easy trade that he would be willing to make. And that makes sense to me because a lot of people um, who are like, what superpower would you want? It's like there are the most cons come with mind reading. Yes. You know, like it, mind reading is almost a curse. I learned that from Edward Cullen, you know? So I have to listen to the things that you say to me. Mm-hmm. It's tragic for me. I learned that from Edward Cullen. You okay. know what though? I learned all of my time travel rules and not rules from friggin' Doctor Who. So who am I to talk? Yeah. So uh, it makes sense that Jughead would be like, hey, I feel like I got the shortest end of the stick. And I think he's probably right in a lot of ways. I do think that it's odd that the price of his power was losing his hearing. I'm. Does Archie have consequence to I don't think so. Like, Betty's got these massive headaches, Mm -hmm. and I don't know. Yeah, I agree. But I like that Jughead was, like, the two examples that he gave of the, like, sounds that he particularly missed was the clock ticking and burger sizzling. Yeah, it was really cute. really sweet. I think Cole has a sincerity, too, when he acts with her that I Mm -hmm. think is just, it's nice to watch. He feels comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I really like Jughead when he's with Tabitha. Me too. Because at the end of this scene where she she says, sorry, I tried, I can't do it, or whatever, he said, it's okay. And it's not like he's going... Okay. He oh, just fine. he just understood. Whatever. He's yeah. like, "All right, I'll get used to it." Yeah. Fine. I was I mean, I got it. I had to give it a shot. Like the fact that she also revealed like she'd already tried it. Yeah. Is really cool. She know that she that he would have wanted to. Yeah. She wanted to do that for him. This the next scene is actually just a shot of the yeah. town sign and it's the fog arriving and the power going out. Yes. This scene is fucking inexplicable to me. And yes, I swore it, and you're going to have to beep it out, but it's how I feel. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Sure. You've already seen it. You know what's happening. Are you the listeners ready? (laughs) So Betty is at her house. Yes. She sees a dark figure standing just outside her home in the fog. Yeah. And she's like, holy shit. So she heads back inside to her house and sneaks out the back door to Archie's. Archie's on the phone with Tabitha. They have to postpone the meeting, blah, 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 blah. She tells him about the weird stranger that's standing in her yard, staring at her house when there's a serial killer after her. Mm -hmm. And Archie says, do you want me to kill that guy for you? And she's like, no. Do you want to just go bang? And then they do. Yeah. And it's never brought up again. It is weird that it's that it's not brought up again for sure. Yeah, I think I, I think it's funny because uh, Archie's like, "Do you want me to go beat him up?" And she's like, "No, no, no, it could be anybody." And he's like, "Oh, I'm invulnerable." Well, what if they have palladium? You know, like I I, I just want you to be safe. And I didn't even. It could be anybody. Why are they in your yard? Well, here's the thing: is that I took that line as not what Archie takes it as, which is it could be anybody. It could be someone dangerous who could hurt you. I took that line as what if it's uh uh little Johnny down the street who uh who is lost in the fog and he's just standing there, you know? And then Archie goes and like starts beating him up, you know? But like, could be anybody. Betty literally sees someone in yeah. her yard and thinks, "Huh, that's weird. I think I'll just leave now." Yeah, what? that's fair. However, um, and I just thought of this just now, is that I have a theory that this is going to come back and it's going to come back next episode. No, it's definitely going to come back. It's just fucking hysterical to me. It's and I think just I know so it funny to me that they did this and then did not bring it up the rest of the mm-hmm. episode. They're like, huh, it's yeah. kind of weird that someone's been stalking you. Anyway. It's because I think I know who it is. And I think we're supposed to think that it's the trash bag killer. Wait, now I have to try and guess what you think. Okay. So it, so the easy answer is it's the trash bag killer. Yeah. But I don't think it's the trash bag. There's a harder answer. Yes. 
And do you want I'm assuming that it's Percival. Mm, it's too bulky to be Percival. Too bulky to be... Oh. It's not Hal. I think that it was a vision. I think that's why it doesn't come back. Because who do we see in the trailer? Wait, 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 wait. There was no aura around it. As far as we could see. I mean, it was pretty far away, but that's true. And we saw Hal, which I assume is a vision because Hal is dead, in the trailer. I think it was Hal. I think it was her dad. All right, fair enough. I still think it's funny. Yeah. Anyway, so they go and bang. Yeah. And after I, they- I do appreciate that in both, in all three sex scene in instances, uh, they just cut to black and cut till after. I do appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, I'm like, thank you, because I'm honestly, after seven seasons, I'm tired of watching these actors be forced to do things like this. Yeah, it is, um, they have done things that are significantly more explicit than this episode, and I just appreciate them for cutting to black. Thanks. Yeah, me too. Like, I'm no prude. I wanted an Alice and Frank sex scene. <laughs> I'm not joking. I think that no, would be No, I completely understand. Hell. And I'd like to see it too because I want to see the CW do that. And I want to see how they kiss. Yeah. Like, I would re- I'd be really interested to see how those two actors approach kissing each other because Majin puts her whole self mm-hmm. into a kiss. Yeah. So I'm interested in that. Um, After they're done banging, Betty is like, hey, so what are we? And I'm like, um, uh... <laughs> should you not know that? Mm-hmm. And Archie's like, well, I'm not seeing anyone else. And I'm like, this is a really weird way to tell someone that you think that you're pregnant with their child. Yeah. Because that's what happens. She says, I'm late. And Archie's like, what? Aren't you on birth control? And she's like, well, no, because I stopped taking it after I was kidnapped because, you know, I couldn't take it Mm -hmm. while I was kidnapped. Yeah. And Archie's like, well, we're always safe. I do appreciate that, you know, they're finally talking about safe sex on this show. And I think that you're, you're um, hyperbolizing for humor, which I, uh, of course I am. Of course, but for anybody who didn't, uh, see it, it's actually really, it's a really sweet scene. Archie's very, very nice about it. Yes. And yeah, I just wanted to say that it was, uh, that I think that Archie gets like the award for best guy award in this, in this. There's a, I also have a thing later when Mm. Archie is like the best guy. Yeah. And um, I just kicked your dog because I didn't know he was under my leg. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. Okay. I'm so sorry. This is our little bingo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Little bingo. Yeah, little bingo. I wish that he was also invulnerable so he didn't have to take him to an event and spend a million dollars. Fair enough. They say, oh, well, we're always safe, aren't we? Good. Thank you for the safe yes. sex talk. And, uh, except she goes, oh, yeah, except for that one time. Which time? Which, which time, besties? Was it the time in the shower? What time was oh, it? I'm just wondering. It could have been the time Might in the be, shower, I don't know. actually. Um, but I did think it was really funny, the concept of like, yeah, I was taking birth control, but then um, I got stolen and put into a hole, and then after that I just thought, mm, life's short. <laughs> like a serial killer, like, literally kidnapped me, yeah. and um, yeah, I guess I just stopped taking birth control. That was a was while like, ago, though, wasn't it? That was like a year ago? Yeah, I and know. I mean, wasn't she also seeing Glenn? Yes, she was seeing Glenn! So, like... Girl, were you going to risk getting pregnant with, with Glenn's Glenn? child? Rip Glenn. <laughs> I appreciate that the writers at least tried to explain. Yeah. But um, you guys suck at your jobs. Yeah. Um, and so then the power goes out and they're like, oh, let me get these candles. And I think that, you know, at first when I was watching it, I was just like, um, this is lazy writing. But I actually think it's a joke that every single time that the power goes out, somebody goes, oh, I'll go get the candles. There's a line about candles every single time. Yeah, it's really funny. It is funny. I would not be surprised if some of this is a reference to, like, the insane, the sheer insane amount of candles on the 100. Yeah. Because I know a lot of those writers, you know, were working on Riverdale when the 100 was on. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. So Tabitha calls to check on Pop because he's home alone and the power's going out. Yeah. She wonders what she's going to do when she loses Pop, but she's only saying this in her brain. Uh-huh. Jughead accidentally hears this and verbally tells her that Pop will outlive all of them. Huh. Oops. 
Are you telling me uh-huh. that Papa's immortal? Because we've been oh saying my God. that. Yeah. We have been saying that for years that Papa's immortal. Honestly, if they kill Pop on the show, I'm going to be mad because Pop Tate is such an iconic mm-hmm. character. They won't. He's going to outlive us all. Jughead just told us. Like, remember that one time when we thought they did kill Pop and we were like, Yeah, upset. are you kidding me? Yeah. Tabitha is not thrilled that Jughead is reading her mind and says that it's an invasion of privacy. Jughead does genuinely doesn't mean to be doing these things and he tells her that, but then the lights go out. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. It makes total sense that Jughead would think that she's talking about Pop because she was just talking about him on the phone and he didn't see her, like, do a side eye at him before she thought it, like yeah, we did. and she just used pronouns. She didn't say, oh, like, what am I going to do without my, my grandpa? Yeah. It was straight up just him. But I like immediately knew that it was about Jughead because she gave him like that side eye. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, later when Jughead, when she's like, I wasn't actually talking about Pop, I was like, duh. Uh, uh yeah, clearly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he's like, I didn't do it on purpose. I'm sorry. Power goes out. Let's get the candles. So I think that all of this is happening simultaneously. Like every time the power goes out in each of the storylines, that happened at the same time. Yes. And so this episode like these you know this night really only takes place over like one hour really yeah it's not very long yeah the fog does not affect things for a really long time yeah archie asks betty how long she was in the well with tbk Mm -hmm. betty says she was trapped for two weeks how did she get away apparently tbk like would go out every night after dark but then one night he was like what if i screw with betty psychologically Mm -hmm. so he gave her an ultimatum because they were kindred spirits does this sound familiar at all Mm -hmm. she needed to prove herself to him by either dismembering his latest victim's body or she would become his latest victim right so he like stands behind her ghost style yeah like in the movie ghost and like guides her as she chooses to dismember this person Mm-hmm. It's so creepy, but so funny. What's that line in Before He Cheats? Where she, he's like probably up behind her with a pool stick showing <gasps> her <laughs> shoot a combo. Yes. That's all I can no, see. That's, that's all I can see. Um, like, thanks, I hate it, but yeah. that's funny. Also, he's like, oh, so we are kindred spirits now that you also... No. Is I, it just Hal again? Well, I didn't dismember this body because I wanted to because we're the same. I dismembered this body because you told me I had to or I would die. Yeah, he was like... Like... Oh. It, it, it there's no correlation yeah but it's like the most hilarious like logic that people apply which is oh this because this and it's yeah. like no this because life was threatened yes and so this tbk stuff is exactly the same as the tbh stuff in season two literally because he was like yeah. like you remember when he like lured her to the house and then she had then like there was a gift and she had to put on the mask and look in the mirror because she is also the oh, black hood or whatever Like, it's the same storyline. We are the same. You are also a murderer, serial killer, jeans. And so, like, it's the same thing. Like, does TBK know that? Yeah. I don't know. Is TBK Chick? Wow. Robin. Chick is every single villain. Robin, I'm telling you. So, it's probably Chick. That would be amazing. They haven't brought Chick up in so long. Yeah. Like, let's just have that. It'd be that. If TBK is somebody who we know, he is not currently being played by somebody that we know. No, Um, and they never are. Yeah. Whether that be Dr. Curdle Jr.'s voice or not, I don't know. I think it sounds like him. Like, sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't, but... um, Then again, all Canadians sound the same. Yeah. In the, uh, like, on the wiki, the person who plays the trash bag killer, like, he has a name and he's a Canadian actor and he's he's just Hey, if you're new here, I said all Canadians sound the same because I'm Canadian and Robin's Canadian and we all sound the same. Yeah. 
Yeah. Dep- well, it depends on where you are from Can where where from Canada. Do you know what I mean? Yes, we all do. we all think our all our vowels are messed up. Yes, yes. Betty tells Archie that she was psychically dismembered that night, which when you watch the scene, you're like, oh, that's pretty poetic. And then mm-hmm. you watch it back and you read it, and you're like, ah, that's stupid. Okay. Archie says that she is not psychically dismembered and that she actually did the right thing. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes he wonders why he's still in Riverdale after everything that's happened. It's kind of a weird tone shift, but it's fine. Yeah, but it's really sweet, it so I'll allow it. It works. He always, but then, you know, when he's questioning himself, he always remembers that the reason he wants to save the soul of Riverdale is because he wants to raise a family there. Mm -hmm. So whatever Betty decides to do, he's going to be there for her. Mm -hmm. We love a pro-choice man. I know. He wasn't just like, he said, whatever it says, I'll be there for you, whatever you want to do. And I was just like, Exactly. It's like, at no point did Archie feel entitled to anything. Whatever Betty wanted to do, Archie would make peace with. And I think that's just... It's nice to hear that from a fictional male character on TV when we're very much in the middle and in danger of losing abortion rights in the U.S. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's just, it's nice to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, I also liked the detail that TVK put on classical music while he dismembers. Yeah, what's up with that? Which I thought was pretty funny. And what I'm would, like, oh is my that God. a clue? I don't... That's what our fun fact should have been. What would you what listen music to? While dismembering someone. Somebody. Uh, Taylor Swift. Really? Uh, just that's just, just all what the I revenge music, though. Yeah, but that's just that's that's just what I listen to in general. So, mm, fair enough. I think if I wanted something that had like a a vibe, I would probably go with Nicki Minaj, mm-hmm. just because her energy, because it's so, or her music, because it's so high energy, gets me up and excited. And mm-hmm. you need the energy to cut yeah. someone up, you yeah. know. So now they're like bonded forever or something because they did that together. I guess, which is gross. Sure. At least the body was already dead. Yeah, at least you, you know, didn't have to kill someone, I like, guess. At least you weren't, like, hearing their screams as you cut off their arms, which seems like something that TBK would probably like. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised that uh, TBK didn't choose to do yeah. that to her. But yeah, Archie says we'll get the test tomorrow, and whatever you want to do, we'll do it forever. Or we'll do it We'll do it together, I mean, but also that. We'll do it forever. I just wanted to say congratulations to Betty from the pilot episode. Oh She's my god, living her like dream. literally wanted to have her. She's living her dream, you know? That's cute, I like that. Yeah. I did think about that. So Reggie stops by the casino to stick, pick up his stuff. I didn't write the Babylonium because the amount of times that I tried to write Babylonium and the amount of times that my phone said no. <laughs> Ronnie, honest to God, tempts him into a drink and strip poker. Yeah. The lights go out and they laugh that it's a sign from God. Mm-hmm. Children, that is a sign from the devil himself. Yes, which is what Reggie says. They have branded cards, and then later we see branded robes, and I just it's, think that, like, it's bougie. Like, if the CW was still releasing merch, yeah, that I Babylonian want, design is very nice. I want an El Royale sweater so I know. bad. Please give it to me. I, I wonder if it's just straight up in the CW shop somewhere. Yeah. But, um, I... You know, people on that show work really hard for no reason. Whoever did the Babylonian branding worked really hard for no reason. Yeah. But I, I treasure them for that. It's very Gatsby. Like, That's it exactly looks like why. the Great Gatsby. Well, yeah, because movie tie-in thing. Um, Art Deco is coming back in terms of like interior style and graphic style. You mm-hmm. know, like right now we're in retro, but we're also seeing a lot of like Art Deco elements come in. So there, this is very on trend mm-hmm. right now. I thought it was nice that he said he was going to ask her if she needed a ride to the meeting. So even if they're like in, they're fighting, he still was going to ask her if she needed a ride. Like which he is still really nice. loves her, and he says it's like a Stephen King movie out there. So the Stephen King movie that we are currently in al- alluding to is The Mist. It is a 2007 
seven American science fiction horror film based on the 1980 novella The Mist by Stephen King. The film is not good. The plot revolves around members of the small town of Bridgeton, Maine, who after a severe thunderstorm causes the power to go out the night before, meet in a supermarket to pick up supplies. While they struggle to survive, an unnatural mist envelops the town and conceals vicious Lovecraftian monsters as extreme tensions rise among the survivors. I actually watched this within the last six months. Mm-hmm. It's a little strange. There's a lot of racial mm. tones that I think are just not dealt with properly. There's some commentary on, you know, extreme evangelical beliefs, which is also... It's not as deftly handled as it could be, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's a... It's a weird movie. The entire time that I was watching that movie, I just kept thinking about how the lead actor looked constipated the entire time. Oh. So, like, you know, that's that's my review. That's how I feel when I started watching Prison Break. I never finished it, but I, I got so distracted by the fact that... What's his freaking name? Wentworth Miller. Wentworth Miller. His eyes... Like, his eyebrows were knitted together Constantly. all the time. Yeah. And when I, um like, squint like that and have my eyebrows together for a long time, I get headaches. And so all I could think of was the fact that that guy must have a headache all the time. I mean, if he's even, like, maybe that's just how his face is. Maybe it is. I don't know. Who's to say? So the fog, like, fog in general doesn't usually take out power, but because we're referencing this movie, it's that's why it's happening. It's fiction fog. Yeah. Um, so she invites him to have a drink, and he says, oh, I shouldn't dry, drink and drive, especially in this fog. And that's a good boy Reggie, that is. That is a good boy Reggie. Saying that out loud, being like, ah, no, I'm good. Instead of, instead, he says... Actually, drinking and driving is bad. It's uh, extremely funny that the writers decided this episode. They're like, oh, maybe we should teach kids on the CW some lessons. Yeah. And so Veronica's just like, well, don't drive then. And it's a good thing that Percival's off at his other meeting from later because... <laughs> exactly! When when Reggie asks later if they can go to one of the champagne suites, I was like, are y'all gonna just absolutely make Percival's night or ruin it? Yeah. Like, which one? <laughs> Uh, I loved the moment. In fact, this is my favorite line of word. No spoilers. Um, But when she's just like, let's play poker. And he's like, I play poker all day with the wise guys. It's all I do. And she goes, well, let's play strip poker. Do you play that with the wise guys? What if Reggie was like, yeah, I'm not interested. Yeah, actually. Like, I'm really tired. I've had my clothes off all day. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's really chilly. They keep hustling me out of all of my clothes. So the power goes out and they're like, gotta get some candles. And luckily, the Babylonian just has a bunch of candles, apparently. Yeah, she says she has a lot of drip chic candles. I don't know what that is or if it's supposed to be a joke. I thought maybe it was a goop joke that she would have the vagina candle. I think because it's diptyque. Oh, that must be what it is. Or diptyque or whatever that yeah. brand is. I, I think that's, that's what the it ba- is. Because I googled drip chic to see if like it would be like, actually, did you mean? But it didn't. So um, I'm glad that you know. I, no, I didn't figure it out until you said it. And then okay. I was like, oh, I know what that is. Okay, great, great. Jughead asked Tabitha if they have any tubes to siphon gas for the generator. No. <laughs> Tabitha reminds Jughead that the cars are on the other end of the parking lot. He won't be able to see through the fog. That's kind of dangerous. And what if there's something out there? Mm-hmm. Jughead's like, actually, I'm going to be fine. And he like bounces. But he does tell Tabitha about an old ham radio he saw in the back that he wants to see if anyone else is on. Because everyone else has ham radios. Yeah. They keep saying our car, our car. I'm like, do you guys share a car? I think that they do. Because Jughead had his own car before. And then Tabitha had that really dope vintage one. Yeah. Um, And so I'm just like, which car do you guys use? I mean, I hope they use Tabitha's car. But like, what happened to Jughead's car? I guess they sold it because he needed money. Probably. Yeah, to pay off the debt that they never talked about again. Yeah. So I assume that truckers use the old ham radio because I think that's that's who Tabitha's talking about later. 
or talking to later. Yes. Um, and so when Jughead gets out there, it's like, yes, it is very extremely foggy, but it also kind of looks like the apocalypse <laughs> that we saw uh, at the end of last episode. It basically looks like the exact same thing. Yup. So here's a big veggie scene. So they are playing trip poker and they get down to their underwear before abandoning the game entirely in favor of making out. Yeah. I thought it was so funny. She's just like, take off your boxer because that's his last clothing item. That's the last one he has. And she, and she won the last hand. And she's like, you can either give me your boxers or, or a, you kiss. Can give me a kiss. Or maybe both. And I love how Reggie's just like, oh, that isn't like, okay. He's just like, mm, let's start with the kiss and see where it goes. I was like, oh, all right. Well, sure. Mm-hmm. But then he sees the portrait of Hiram. Yeah. they, Yeah. So, yeah, so um, Reggie agrees that they should uh, go upstairs because like he does not want to make out in front of Hiram's portrait. Yeah. So after they bang. Well, now that he's dead, he can, he watches through his portraits, right? I was going to say like low key power move to do it, to be honest. Yeah. Right. That's true. He's just like watching this Hiram. Exactly. I mean, Hiram hated it so much when it was Archie. Exactly. A power move, I'm telling you. Yeah. So after they bang, Veronica admits that perhaps she was a bit too hasty in breaking up with Reggie for stealing the slot machines, and they should just start over. She, listen, I I don't know if she should have broken up with him for that, but I mean, he definitely deserved to be reprimanded. I would say that she did overreact, but only slightly, because it was, like, a huge, like, breach of her trust, you know? I mean, he literally, like, took things without telling her. It, yeah. It was fair. And he was kind of a jerk about it, but, like, I just thought it was funny that she showed up and, like, banned him from the casino and her bed in front of all those guys, That too. was humiliating! Like, yeah. Yeah. Reggie agrees that they should start over, but first Veronica has to get rid of the painting of her dad. She's like, huh? And he's like, please do this. And she's like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And he says, go do it now. Mm-hmm. Because I don't actually think that you'll ever do it. So to prove it to me, go do it now. So here's an example of one of the things that I thought was kind of clunky. It's one of the only examples I can think of right now. But like Reggie, if it was Reggie, I think Reggie would say, if we don't do it right now, I don't think you're going to do it ever. Yes. Right? And what he does say is something like, I don't believe you'll do it otherwise. Okay. Is what he says. Okay. I don't believe you'll do it otherwise. And that's the same thing, but I feel like Reggie would be like, if we don't do it now, we won't do it ever, right? Which is more of a more, like, casual way to say it. Yeah. It just felt like it was, the whole scene was more like poetry and uh, was, like, too formal. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I can see that. Yeah. I see that. But it is something that we had been brought, brought up was the fact that the Veronica one is in front is behind her so that Reggie can see it. Yeah. But that means that Hiram is right over Reggie's shoulder Like literally every day. watching him. Yeah. Which is creepy as hell. Reggie says that he's always felt like second fiddle to Archie and now he's dealing with Hiram literally looming over him. He's nothing more than a consolation prize. Yeah. Veronica says that she feels the exact same as Reggie and that actually she'd rather be running Wall Street and she wishes that her dad was still alive. And I'm like, whose fault is that? Yeah. She said that she gave Archie an ultimatum, her or Riverdale, and he chose Riverdale. So reality is that they're all someone's consolation prize. Veronica, this is shitty for the record. I know. She's just like, is this what I'm supposed to tell you that you're not a consolation prize or whatever? And I'm like, yeah. Exactly. Yes, of course. Exactly. Reggie's your boyfriend. You love him. You've been together for so long. Exactly. But apparently they're trying to, I guess, break up Veggie. I don't know. I mean, some of the points they make, I'm like, I guess, but like, you you don't have to break up 100%. You just have to like, know that these are your problems and work on it. Yep. And if you really care about each other, you guys can make it happen and just know not to make your parents' same mistakes. And also, 
maybe stop treating each other badly. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So Reggie says, in your ideal world, who is with you in New York? If you could live in New York, who's with you? And Veronica's like, well, it's not an ideal world. And like, I already gave her to the ultimatum. And Reggie was like, all you had to do was say me. Yeah. And this would have worked. You like literally, you know, she's beating around the bush or whatever, but she said Archie. That's yeah. what she said. Yeah. She said, well, I wanted it to be Archie, but he said no. So now that, so it doesn't matter. And it's like, no, all you had to say it was. It matters, bestie. Yeah. Are you kidding me? You're saying this to his face? To your actual, like, boyfriend and business partner, you're like, you can't recognize the fact that Archie has moved on. Yeah. And you guys were the world's most boring couple. <laughs> oh, my God. I think Veronica thinks they were so sexy together. And I'm like, you were, you two were as interesting as a piece of wood. Yeah. But, like, then she has this line where she's just like, okay, forget Archie. Forget my dad. It's just me and you. And we're in this room. And that's all that matters. And I'm like, that's still not good enough. Yeah, exactly. That's still not good enough. Because, because that's. Not realistic. No. Because Archie still exists and Hiram still ex- still did exist or, or whatever. You know, it's not relevant. What if we pretend that they don't exist? No, that's not, that's not the reality of the situation. Precisely. So then Reggie comes in with the most insane, brutal line, which is honestly pretty true and fair. Yeah. He says that, mm, yeah, they're just not good together. Mm-hmm. They're toxic around each other, actually. Yeah. And that they are, in fact, recreating her parents' dynamic. I love this moment because, you know, all of us are sitting on the couch and we're just like, I can't believe he said that. And then he makes it even better. He And he, Veronica is a lot like her dad and Reggie is recreating his own parents' dynamic as Mm -hmm. his mom chose her career over his dad every time. I loved the moment where Veronica was like, what? I'm not my mom. And he's like, no, you're not your mom. No, you're not. You're I'm your mom. You're your dad. You're your dad. I'm just like going along with whatever crap you get me into. And you don't really seem to care. That was my favorite part of the scene. I thought it was really good. It was very brutal and very insightful. Yeah, I agree. Veronica had wondered if the reason they were such a good match is that they're bad for each other. So they have to break their toxic cycle for both their sakes and not be together anymore. Yeah, so Reggie says, okay, I'm going to go. And I, what what an extremely mature young man. Yep. I didn't, I never expected this from Reggie and I love it. And I think Charles is amazing. And my next question is what happened to Reggie for the rest of the episode? Because oh, yeah. if he left, he went into the fog. Where is he? Uh, also, did they drink? They did drink. Yes, they did. He can't, he can't. Where did he go? I have no idea. He can't drive. So this is like the one good scene and the most notable thing that happens in this episode, mm-hmm. I think, is that Veggie breaks up. Yes. After um, all this. Other time. than the pregnancy thing, I think. Yeah, that's true. But, but then uh, again, we don't get the answer to exactly. that. Exactly. Oh, that's it. Yeah. So that is the end of part one. So before we go on to part two, we're going to talk about Patreon real quick. Um, it is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. Um, we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash And there are some pretty cool perks that you can get if you join it. It is a monthly donation, and at $1 a month, you get early access to every single podcast, and a lot of people think that that's really worth it, especially for weekly podcasts like this. $2 gets you access to our Discord server. $5 gets you 10% off at uh, Visit Binnyland, where Brittany sells stuff, High Birdie Embroidery, where I sell stuff, and Lost and Found Candle Co., where uh, Casey sells stuff. She's uh, one of the hosts of our Lost podcast, so... Mm-hmm. 10% off at all of those places for $5 a month. Um, and my personal favorite is the $10 a month level, which is our Patreon-only podcast, which is called Okay, Love You, Hi! And we talk for about 45 minutes uh, every two weeks um, about whatever topics we feel like. Literally anything. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we take suggestions from the people who listen, and it's really fun. It's nice to just sit down with your friends for 45 minutes and, and chat. Just chat, is, yeah. yeah. If you can't do that, check out those three places uh, where we sell stuff. You can uh, support us and also get something cool out of it. 
And uh, other than that, just recommend us to a friend or check out our other podcasts if this is the only one you listen to. We really appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. All right. So going into part two, unfortunately, we have to talk about Kevin a lot more. Uh. So Kevin is grading papers and he's having flashbacks to Joaquin, who I miss very, very much. And I'm still extremely salty about how Joaquin died and what happened to him. Mm, Yeah. And that's fair. Yeah. So he also flashbacks to all of the cruising, that one dude in the spa and all that stuff. And he's like, oh my God, I'm late to my dinner. So he starts like heading up and is like, if I'm late to my dinner, Tony will be mad at me. I gotta go. So he heads out. Um, but Moose is here and it turns out that he is the new PE teacher. This is so wild. Please stay. This is Moose, so funny. Moose comes for such small little blips and I'm just like, just stick around, buddy. I It's so weird that Moose is back. Like, uh, like, why now? Yeah. Because they don't know what to do with Kevin. That's why. Yeah. They really, they genuinely just needed him to make Kevin interesting again. Fair enough. Genuinely. Okay. And Kevin's like, oh, I didn't know that you had been hired. And I'm like, seems like something that the other teachers would know, but. Well, maybe he just doesn't pay attention to anything. Yeah. He's like, I- I'd love to catch up, but I have to go to dinner. And Moose is like, well, you can't leave because of the fog. So we'll wait together as it lifts. And Kevin's like, okay, but only for half an hour. Mm, okay. Mm, that's not what ends up happening. Mm, I don't think so. So Tony and Fangs are at their place and there is some Tostitos branding, which I love. I was so excited. I have never heard you scream like that in my life. I was so excited. No, you heard me scream when I saw Peter Brown from BB Can 1. Oh, that's a good point. Um, but I've been waiting for Tostitos. I love Tostitos. In fact, if, to- Tostito- if Tostitos needs a brand ambassador, I will be that person. Oh, wow. I love Tostitos. Shoot your shop, bestie. However, if you're going to try Tostitos, the multigrain ones are the way to go. They have more flavor. I actually completely agree with they that. They do. Yeah. I would never get normal Tostitos, ever. I- multigrain Tostitos the, is, are the only way to go. We are in agreement. Yeah. I put them in my salad. I put them on like pasta dishes sometimes. Yep. They're incredible. I love them so much. They're just the best garnish. You're, you're completely correct. It's like you put them in your salad instead of croutons. It's so good. Anyway, huge fan of Tostitos. You're so funny. So they're like, before Kevin gets here, let's figure out what we want to do about the serpents. And Fangs is saying, I want Anthony to be raised the same way as us. I want him to be able to defend himself. I don't want him to get murdered by a ghoulie. And Tony's like, first of all, don't even say that out loud. Second of all, all the ghoulies are dead. Also, all the ghoulies are dead because of cops. And if he was a serpent, he would also be in danger from cops. So we also yeah, need to, so it's, it's not it's, just ghoulies, it's not just other gangs. It's literally just all the same thing again and again and again. And he's just like, well, he would also be in danger being a political activist. And Tony is like, okay, I think he would be at least less in danger for that, but I guess we're never going to agree about that. That's called good trouble. And he calls them Sweetwater Serpents. So I think I think that's just him trying to say that they, they'd be like cushy now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, instead of the Southside Serpents... She wants to change it to the Sweetwater Serpents, which is already a Riverdale thing. I I think is what he was saying there. Yeah, I couldn't. I was like, do you, what point are you trying to make? But also sure. I honestly think if that's, if that's the plan, that's, that's kind of a good idea to like actually change the name. Yeah. Southside Serpents has a connotation. Yeah. And Sweetwater sounds way better connotation wise. And it's also still true because it's right beside Sweetwater River. And they're activists. Like, it's fine. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So she's like, okay, well, when Kev comes over, let's just not talk about the serpents because clearly we're not going to figure this out. We just won't talk on the serpents and we'll just uh, ask him to be compassionate and just say that we want to avoid an expensive, long legal battle. And I'm sure that you do too. Power goes out. Fangs is upset because he's like, I literally just paid the bill. Which I like that moment because them as serpents, you know, you your brain could immediately jump to, ah, you know, they don't have enough money to 
to pay the bill or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? And so I like that they put in that line where he's just like, I did just pay I, the bill. I literally so just paid all our bills. Makes no sense. Like, he's an adult. Good yeah. for him. Uh, and so they're like, let's go get some candles. So we move back over to Kevin and Moose. And they somehow oh, found all boy. of these candles in the school. I guess. It's a lot of candles for that room. Um, but I guess they need a lot of candles because it's a TV show and everybody needs to be lit. Oh, yeah, of course. So um, he says, well, I'm still teaching here. I'm also a part-time deputy um, for my dad. And Moose is like, what about Broadway? And Kevin's like, uh, didn't happen. Uh, you know, it was a dream and that I didn't follow. And I'm like, you were going to like two weeks ago. It was though. literally like, do you do you recall when we were literally just talking about this yeah. with you? But like, clearly he's fully given up on it, I guess. I guess. He's like, well, actually, instead, I'm going to um, attack two people that I love and try and steal their baby. Right. So he's like, did you never get back together with Fangs? And he's like, um, no, I'm actually in a custody battle battle with them. He did get back together with Fangs. Not after Moose last saw them. Because remember Moose went on a date with Fangs? Right, okay. After they had broken up, um, which I thought was funny because they had both dated Midge. Right, 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 right. (laughs) Like, literally, Fangs was the one that Midge cheated on Moose with, and then Moose dated Fangs, which was really funny, and a bisexual agenda, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's that's representation. Yeah. And so uh, Kevin's like, well, what about you? Moose says, I got laid off from trucking when the Lonely Highway shut down. However, then later Tabitha's just like, hi, if you're out on the Lonely Highway, please come in or whatever. So I, I don't know. What's the truth? Yeah. Also, my dad just got out of prison. So I've been living with him and getting him used to the outside world again. And now here I am back at the school. It's wild that he's helping his dad. Like, he it could not be me. He's yeah. a better man. Yeah. These two are like the OGs, you know? These yeah. two found Jason's body together at the end of 101. Yep. So, like, it's crazy to see them back together like this. However, I am pretty sure that these actors are just two straight men. So I, I can sort of feel, oh, I can it's sort o- of no, it's feel like the uncomfortable, uh, the uncomfortability like they're doing- in the room. And so it makes me, makes me uncomfortable. They're doing their best yeah. for sure. It's just like, uh, I right. just don't think they have chemistry. They don't. They just don't have any chemistry, unfortunately. They don't. Like, I can't remember if Vanessa has come out as bi or anything. I don't think think so but and i also don't think mads has however the they're difference really is, good at it the difference is that mads and vanessa have chemistry yes even if they're not sexually attracted to each other exactly you know? so moose says sorry for bailing after my dad did that to us and kevin's like oh yeah yeah that actually traumatized me forever in fact uh, i'm gonna have a nightmare about it later <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry about it okay <laughs> and he's like sorry we had unfinished business which is something that penelope was saying earlier is about unfinished business hmm. um speaking of gargoyle kings and then Moose kisses Kevin. And I, I guess. Listen, you guys are not the only teachers that have done this at the school. It's true. You are not. It's true. Barchi have definitely gotten wild in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kevin, you know, is just like, yes, hello. I am willing to continue this. However, um, I have to send a text. And <laughs> Moose is just like, okay. All right. You don't have to announce it. Weird, but all right. So Fangs gets the text that says, hey, can't come because of the fog. Fangs is pissed. I don't blame him. Fangs is so mad this whole episode, and I get it. He's going through some really crappy stuff that he should not have be have that he should not have to go through. Like he's literally in danger of losing his own child to this idiot who can't even show up, and it's his ex boyfriend. Well, that's what he says. Is like I knew he would do this. He bails on everything. He bails on this. He bails on me. He bails on baby Anthony. He bails on our marriage. He bails on everything. He's always bailing on stuff. This is him. This is him as a person. It's comp- And it, this criticism is honestly fair. Yeah. And he's like, why are we even being nice to him? Why are we even trying? And Tony says, it's for baby Anthony. And so Fangs like wants to go beat up Kevin. And I'm like, do you even know where he is? 
oh yeah. You know, like he didn't say where he was. No. I know you don't have his location. He's on. like he's no, he's literally like I'm just gonna drive around until I find him. Yeah, like you can see anything in this fog. So she's like, it's not going to make our problems go away. Please, like, just don't go to jail again. That's how you can help. That's how you can do it right. Like, we'll we'll do the battle then. We'll do it. Anything to win. If we have to be dirty about it, we will. Because we're going to save, we're going to, we're going to have our baby. I, I don't care. I am so for this. Yeah. I love this for them. I love Tony and Fangs. And I, um, I just think that they're valid. Yeah. I, I think anything that they can do to fight for their own child is... Where are their just, powers? Just do it. Give Where them are powers. their powers? Seriously. Yeah. And so it's like, please, baby Anthony needs his father. We please need don't this. go back and, to jail. And then they kiss and it's beautiful. And I, I just love Tony and Fangs. Yeah. It's weird to say like it works, but it's like, I think it's because they're both bisexual that it completely yeah, works. It totally works. So Tabitha listens to the radio and we start hearing this crackling and this dialogue and it's Rivervale Jughead and it's the Rivervale, it's the moment where he warned Betty at the end of... 605 at the end of the 100th episode. Yeah. Like that's the dialogue where he says, get out of the house. It's under the bed. You need to get out. There's a bomb or whatever. Oh. And this was the shock of the episode. I was just like, what? I, so it's the exact same dialogue that she's hearing. Well, that's what what Betty heard on the phone. So is she hearing that from the past then? Either from the past or from the alternate dimension. No, she's definitely hearing it from the alternate dimension, but is that also from the past that she's hearing? Well, she's a time traveler. Exactly. Maybe she could. That's cool. But I I don't know. I thought that was the shock of the episode. My, I was like, bah, my my jaw dropped in that moment. So Tabitha thinks that whoever it is needs help. And um, so then she realizes it's kind of similar to Jughead's voice. And so she like gets freaked out about Jughead. I thought it kind of sounded like the spirit box, though. Like, with the radio and then, like, weird choppy... It did sound like the spirit box. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I love the spirit box. Uh, and... Do you want to explain what the spirit box is for people who don't know what you're talking about? Sure, so, like, in ghost hunting shows and stuff, they have this thing called the spirit box, um, where it just, like, flips through a bunch of radio stations, and then um, spirits are meant to, like, go in and manipulate it so that they can speak in words and in sentences. Um, and if it's just like random words periodically that you hear, it's usually just from the radio station and not actually a spirit. But when you start hearing full sentences, you're like, holy crap. I love the spirit box. It's my favorite part of any ghost show. Every time the spirit box comes out, Robin starts hooting and hollering. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. So that's what it kind of sounded like. It did. Because um, it was all like choppy and everything. It was good. So yes, Tabitha thinks that Jughead's in trouble, so grabs the gun from under the counter. And I'm going to say head cannon that it's the same one that Titus used in the 1940s. Yeah. Because yeah, it looked just like yeah. it. And it looks yes, like it, it probably came from the same spot. I want that to be her great-grandfather's gun. Vintage. So before she can get out there, Jughead comes in and is like, hey, I got lost. Sorry, I got kind of turned around out there. Anyway, I got the gas. <laughs> and it's like, oh, so you're fine. Okay. Got it. So Kevin and Moose, I guess, slept together in the teacher's lounge thing that used to be the student lounge or whatever. Yeah, are um, they? does that just not a student lounge anymore? They're like, whatever it is, Archie gets to hang out in it. You know, we'll yeah, just, we'll yeah, just change yeah, it based yeah, on whatever yeah, Archie wants it yeah. to be. So he goes over to the bathroom afterwards and, um, there's like this creepy red lighting and he sees the Gargoyle King again, which I called cause I was like, that's midnight club lighting. That's exactly what it looked Why like when the Gargoyle see- King showed up. Okay. So if he's seeing the Gargoyle King, Betty is seeing Hal. Mm-hmm. Now what? I mean, Cheryl's seeing the Gargoyle King too. Oh, cause Penelope's right freaking With there. her own two eyes. Yeah. I think that, you know, I mean, it's because he's having a trauma response to seeing Moose again. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he can't date Moose because of the trauma. 
Because he just said, traumatize me for life. So he wakes up and then it turned out that it was just a nightmare. He's did like, they bang or not? I think they did, yeah. Because he says, oh, you fell asleep after we, or whatever. Oh, okay. Or after we desecrated this holy space of the teacher's lounge. Understood. And he's reading a book. We can't see what it is, but I assume it's probably The Mist by Stephen King. Oh my god, it probably is. It probably is, but we couldn't see. Stupid. Um, and then they cuddled because Kevin is scared, but it's like... They just don't have any chemistry, so it's really uncomfortable, and I'm like, ugh. I'm like, listen, if you ship it, that's totally fine, and we're sorry. Yeah. It's just like, you know, mm. I'm not feeling it personally. Yeah. I just, like, I'm still sad about, like, it was fun at first, because you were like, haha, Moose is bisexual, it's, like, really cute and fun, right? But then once we finally met Midge in season two, I was just like, it's always, I mean, having read the comics for, like, years upon years upon years, it was always Moose and Midge, you know? Yep. And it kind of felt like a little bit like a slap in the face when Midge cheated. I mean, they both were cheating on each other, and I was like that's not what Moose and Midge were supposed to be. Exactly. But then no, again, they I, changed up Chuck so much too. Yeah. And I, no, but I think your disappointment is fair. Yeah. So we head to the Blossom residence for dinner and um, there's just so many candles, like I said, but I guess Cheryl can just turn them all on at the same time. Yeah. Um, the one place where the candles make sense, Cheryl. Cause like I keep, I keep watching these scenes with a million candles around and all I can think of is like one person going around with the lighter for each one of them. And That's like, why I think they're probably electric. Yeah. It should be, it would be a huge fire hazard to have that on a set. Yeah, for sure. But like, I even mean like character wise, like Reggie oh. walked around and, and turned on all of those. Archie goes and just goes click, click, click. He click. would though. Yeah, it was cute. Um, but Cheryl can turn them all at the same time. She probably just goes and then they're all on, which is helpful. That would be cool. Um, so she finds Penelope staring at the Julian doll and she's like, are you trying to steal him? Did Percival send you? And she's like, no, I'm just hanging out. I'm just learning the layout of the land. Dude, this whole scene was really weird. She said, I think it's really sweet that you kept the doll. And then Cheryl's like, yep. And then hits her in the head with a candlestick. She's like really mad that she's near the doll. And I'm like, but she's not doing anything to the doll. What's the, what's your Mm -hmm. end game? What do you think about, I mean, we'll we'll talk about Penelope, uh, Penelope's final scene in a second, but... What do you feel about this? Do you think that Penelope is reformed? Do you think she's a good person now? No. Natalie Natalie Bolt is playing it extremely genuinely. Well, that but that's Penelope. She's mm-hmm. ge- she can trick or say anything. Yeah. No, I think it's a bunch of bull. I don't know. I think that if it was a bunch of bull, we would see a moment where Cheryl turns her back and Penelope's face darkens. Oh yeah, because the show is really obvious about yeah. stuff like that. So I don't know. We'll see. Fair enough. Uh, the next scene is just Jughead starts up the generator and Pops has power again. Mm-hmm. That's that. Penelope wakes up and uh, is like, Cheryl, what the heck are you, are you doing? Why have you done? I can't believe you've done this. And Cheryl starts upping her body temperature and is basically like cooking her. It's such a power move, yeah. though. Natalie's very, very good in this episode. And Penelope's like, okay, I guess. And just like believes it. Because I mean, she, they did like witchy wind stuff earlier. And also she so. can absolutely feel that she's being cooked a lot. Yeah, she's like, I guess I believe it. And so Cheryl has this great moment where she says, you used to be the dragon and I was like a maiden locked away, but now I'm both the maiden and the dragon and I protect myself, which is really great. I liked that scene. Yeah, it was fine. This is just a weird storyline to be honest with you. So Penelope's like, please don't kill me. Like I told you before, I have a surprise. They're letters from Heather, Hmm. who is her best friend from junior high, who was like her sexual awakening or whatever, like was the first person that she sort of experimented with, I I guess. I guess. And she's like, every day after she moved away, she wrote to you and I intercepted them. And now I want to give them to you now to show you that I'm better. Yeah. That I'm a better person. And okay, it's just interesting to me that Penelope in the past didn't just burn the letters. Like, yeah, you know, there's something about Penelope being good now and wanting to give her the letters. 
But there's something about bad Penelope in the past who I'm just surprised that she kept them. Yeah, why did she keep them? I wonder if it's like so that she could use them for blackmail later on yeah, or something. Probably. That's all I could think of. Or just to be cruel. Yeah. Um, so Tabitha broadcasts to tell the truckers to look for the sign if they're lost. That, there's that scene. Sure. Uh, Cheryl reads the letters. I I think we're going to bring in Heather. I think if, if tell everyone your theory, though. Which one? About Detective Drake. Oh, here's my here's here's what I it's, it's, it's less of a theory because it doesn't have any legs. It's more of a hope. Yeah. Is that I wanted uh, Agent Drake to come back in from a couple episodes ago because I want her to date Cheryl because she's very clearly fruity. Mm-hmm. Um, and how cool would it be to be like an X-Files agent dating a pyrokinetic person? Like, that'd be so freaking cool. Um, it's giving Mulder. So my theory slash hope is that her name is Heather Drake. I think that would be cool. And she's Heather. I think it would be cool, dude. I want it so bad. I want it. You know, looking at the blurbs for the next few episodes, it looks like potentially Veronica might be getting powers, which I've been waiting for. Mm -hmm. And also, um, Cheryl, like, figures out whether or not she wants to talk to Heather, which I'm, I'm excited about. But it also feels like Heather is kind of that person who's always going to be someone we talk about and never someone we get to see, so... I, yeah, I feel sure. like Cher, or, uh, Heather could be more of an idea than a mm-hmm. character, but mm-hmm. I, we don't know. Mm-hmm. So Penelope brings in tea, and if I was Cheryl, I'd be like, mm, does it have I'm drugs in it? Yeah. <laughs> um, I keep getting drugged by, I know that was Abigail, but I keep getting drugged by tea, so I'm a little worried about that. So she's like, I've been wondering why she never got a hold of me. Like, why did you do this to me? And I'm like, she didn't, like, find, you on, find you on Facebook or, like, after you, you know, okay. Who knows? Um, so she says, Mom, why were you so cruel to me? And Penelope says, I recognized in you something that I was trying to kill in myself. Penelope what? Fruity confirmation. We've been new since Midnight Club. She was really weird yep. about Sierra. Yep. We knew it. And it's like, did Mads choose to do that? Like, did Mads know? What was the, the There was definitely something there? in the script yes. for that. There was absolutely something in the script for All that. Right. So she says, I'll be gone with the fog tomorrow. I hope you forgive me. Basically that. If this was their last hurrah for Penelope and they were trying to absolve her, you know, and this was like her redemption moment. I like that they brought up the fact that she's fruity or whatever, but what a weird thing to choose to be like, she's a nun now. It's also a really horrific trope Mm -hmm. that the reason that people are homophobic is because they themselves hate, hate like what they are. Mm -hmm. And that's in television a lot. Yeah. And it's just, it, I don't know. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. But we do been new. They've been talking about that since season three. It's you know? true. So that morning, Jughead explains that the fog was gone in the morning and most of us had some sort of clarity after now that we've had yes. these long conversations. So Kevin calls Fangs and he says, hey, you're right. Let's discuss joint custody. I'd be willing to discuss that. So we don't have to do lawyers. And Fangs goes, oh, you want to discuss it, huh? Oh, gee, well, thanks, Kev. Team, team Fangs. I don't oh, care. oh, boy, oh, boy. Thank you so much for doing me this solid. Well, you want to discuss joint custody. Well, I don't want you anywhere near my son. I want my son, this is an incredible line, I want my son to be raised with integrity. And I don't think you have any integrity. Wow. <laughs> Shot fired. He's like, like, you're still on the fence about Percival? Like, first of all, see you in court. Second of all, watch your freaking back incredible it was amazing it was amazing kevin had this coming like he's been pissing me off for so long yeah yeah i absolutely love that scene and kevin is like still at the 
at the school when he makes this call. So I wonder if Kevin spent the whole night at the school. Well, probably. if He, yeah. could, he probably couldn't drive home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Veronica's back at the casino and uh, she's looking at her Hiram painting because Reggie is obviously gone and she looks at it from across the room. And Veronica does her little PA thing to call her <laughs> voice, her faceless assistant Jay and says, hey, send in some stuff so that I can wrap this up and get rid of it. And I'm like, you think Jay just has butcher paper at the casino or are you, are you making him go I think he probably somewhere? has to go get it. Ugh. I hope he gets paid handsomely. Probably does. So, um, back at Pops, there's a new news broadcast for them to watch. And Alice is saying, we're just here interviewing the new mayor of Riverdale. How long was that fog? Literally an evening. However, I do have to say, my favorite moment in this scene is the amazing detail that Tabitha has to tell Jughead what the TV is saying. (gasps) Oh, I didn't even pick up on because that. Because he obviously can't hear that. He can't hear hear that that part. And so she, he's just like hanging out until she says, oh, there's something on the TV. And then he says that she has to explain to him later what the rest of the broadcast That's was. That's super cool. I really like that detail. It says that um, Frank and Alice got together without Tabitha to abolish the council and elect Percival. And they collected like enough signatures or something to be able to do that. Sure. I'm pretty sure that the whole point of the council of four is that all four of them have to be a part of the conversation. Yep. Like, stop doing stuff without Tabitha. Not only do I think that that's morally wrong, but I also think it's, like, legally wrong, right? I mean, yeah, but technically they make the laws. Yeah, that's true. And I also wanted to say, if there were subtitles on the TV, Jughead would know what they were saying. So maybe we should turn on the subtitles. Subtitles are important. I need subtitles to get through life. Yeah. So Betty and Archie are also watching this and, you know, Betty likens him to Hiram again because Hiram was also the mayor. I'm like, why are we bringing up Hiram so much? This smells fishy to me. And Jughead knows that it's just like a step towards dictatorship, basically. And he's right. So how do we stop him? And Jughead and Tabitha have another really important conversation because this whole episode is just conversations. It really is. So she says, okay, full disclosure, I have actually gone back to try and stop the bomb and save your hearing. But Percival always won because you didn't get your power. She tried 1,384 times. Now here's my question. Okay. Do you age every time you go back to, like, you know how, like, in with the use of the time turner? Yeah. If you go back three hours, you're now three hours older because you have lived yeah, three I more hours, right? Yeah, I think she aged right? through that. She looks the same, but if she's well, tried- Well, it probably wasn't- It's it probably maybe she lost a day or two. Yeah. She probably just did it over and over and over again. Yeah, that's true. But it was- She tried almost 1,400 times. I feel like she'd be like a, a while. That would, take, that would take a lot of time. Yes, it would. But she's like, we need all of our powers, but especially yours because yours is so similar to Percival's. So it's really helpful to have it. Yeah. So she says the only time we ever won against Percival, which was only twice, out of almost 1,400 times- we only won twice. And in both of those scenarios, you die. So I was actually crying, not about losing Pop, but about losing you. Because I know it's inevitable. Like, okay, so Jughead's gonna die? And it's a fixed point, And she's been struggling with whether or not to tell him. And he says, hey, it's not the first time I've been destined to die. But I'm not sure what that line means because I don't remember what that is. Please someone tell me. Oh my god, yeah, I don't know either. Destined? Oh, was that like every time that the, maybe the Stonewall kids tried to get him to die a whole bunch of times? Or like, he's supposed to die in the Ides of March? Or like, it's probably something like that where he's like, remember I pretended to 
he'll be dead or whatever. Oh yeah. Um, and then we and then they zoom out and see the dead end sign on Pops, which I thought was like a little on the nose, but pretty funny. Yeah, of course it's on the nose. It's Riverdale. Yeah. And this is actually a storyline on Lost that yes, we are currently covering on the Lost podcast right now. The minute it happened, Robin was like, "This is Lost," and Robin was saying it as I was thinking, "Oh, this is just Desmond and Charlie." Yeah, which is my crack ship on Lost. And you're right for that. Yeah. They have a whole thing about, maybe you're going to be the one that saves me. And they sing Wonderwall. Or Charlie sings Wonderwall while he's busking. And, I said maybe. And Desmond hears him and it's beautiful. And um, so I feel like now, if anyone has a Jugatha playlist, go ahead and put Wonderwall on that. Thanks. Yes. Yeah. So in our last scene, uh, Betty and Archie, I guess, have already gone to the grocery store or the, or the pharmacy and have gotten a pregnancy test. And Archie says, maybe this will be finally be good news for us. So, uh, and... So I think that he's actually hoping. I yeah, I think he wants it. But he still wants Betty to be able to choose yeah. how she feels about yeah. it. Yeah. He says, no matter what you choose, I will be there for you. Which is beautiful. So the timer goes off and they check and the episode ends before they tell us. And I'm like, yeah, there's no way they're going to tell there us. Was, there's yeah, absolutely no that way. That was not going to happen. I did want to say that I think KJ and Lily do a really good job at making it unclear. Yeah. Like they do a really good job of acting like surprise and like this is really important information, but like not giving it away. And I wanted to give them props for that. Yeah, that well, I bet that's hard. Once again, this show has actors that put too much work into it. Yeah. And that's the episode. Nailed it. So now it's time for segments. Um, My first segment is which character needs a hug the most. I think I'm going to give it to Veronica. Really? Yeah. Tell me why. Uh, Well, she kind of got absolutely destroyed by Reggie's words. <laughs> Oh, yeah, she did kind of um, get assassinated. Yeah. Um, she honestly, like, I didn't really feel maybe Betty because she talked about TBK and she's maybe pregnant, but I don't think anybody went through anything too bad. I was going to go with Tabitha. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, I but she did get last. the hug. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. She did get one. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And my segment is, which MILF was the most badass? Tony. End of. Tony. <laughs> Penelope doesn't even get to think about it. Being a repentant homophobic mm-hmm. nun is not a badass thing. Yeah. But I'm like, please don't go away forever because then we're like, oh, we keep losing our MILFs. If I have to live without Nat Bolt doing the most, I will be so upset. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is Sam shipping the most? I asked Sam before we started recording and she said Barchi. I'm shocked. Time. Yeah. Sam shipping Barchi? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Is Chick dead or what? I don't know. Is Hiram dead? He's dead to me. <laughs> so I don't care. Fair enough. And now it's time for our best line award. My best line award goes to Veronica and Reggie for... Let's play poker. I've been playing poker all day with the wise guys at the car lot. Well, what about strip poker? Or have you been playing that with the wise guys too? It's it was a cute moment. It was. I laughed. I liked um, it. And I think it's funny that they keep calling them the wise guys like that's their title. Is Don't it? play poker with guys whose titles are wise guy. That is their title. Yeah. That's who they are. Wise guy. They're the wise guys. I mean, like, at least I'm wise. He's a bunch of wise guys, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So now we're going to go into our thoughts for the trailer. Um, The little blurb for the trailer, really short, so they're not trying to give us give away anything for this one. Yeah. Mind games is the subtitle. The next steps of Percival's plan catch Archie, Betty, Jughead, Veronica, Cheryl, and Reggie off guard and forces them to face their past trauma. Whoa. That's the full blurb. All right. I like that Veronica and Reggie are on this list. Yeah, does give that mean them, that they're both getting powers? Give them powers. That would be cool. Yeah. So here's what I got for the trailer. We see Percival striking a match. Cheryl says there's a whiff of sorcery. Ooh. A whiff. We see oh, Archie. Whiff. 
Oh, Archie in the school. And he says, Miss Grundy. And in the music room, we see a creepy zombie Grundy playing cello. Um, first of all, what? Second of all, what? Third of all, what? I can't tell if it's the same actor. It could be, but she's like making a really creepy, scary face. So I couldn't tell. Okay. But, uh, spooky. Sure. Kevin says to Percival, you're not going to hurt them, are you? So maybe if Percival does hurt them, Kevin will finally like snap Snap back to normal, I guess, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. Um, We see Cheryl seeing a weird veiled thing in a bed in Thornhill. What is this? Not sure what's going on there. Veronica gasping. Archie breaking the cello. My guess is maybe to, like, break the spell. Like, if I break this cello, I can't see Grundy anymore or something. But I'm also like, schools pay a lot of money to have (laughs) all of those instruments. Do you have to pay the school back to purchase a new cello? Probably not. I don't know. I mean, he won't have to. Yeah. Uh, We see Jughead slapping something down. Betty says, it's like someone's picking through my brain with dirty fingers. And then we see Hal, who is like a janitor, like a custodian of some kind. Yeah, why is Hal there? I I think it's probably she's like seeing seeing a vision and it's actually just a random guy. Ooh, that's intriguing. Mm. Um, But I also think that's sort of like parallel to like the fact that he was a black hood and also he tried to get everybody to think that Svensson was the black hood Mm -hmm. who was a custodian. Yeah. I don't know. Betty, Archie, Jughead, Veronica, and Cheryl in Thornhill staring down at the fire. I love to see Veronica here. Yeah, I'm glad keep including her. She's finally in a storyline that isn't Mm -hmm. about Reggie or her father. What's that about? Veronica says, no one has power over me. We see Jughead with a police officer behind him and the police officer behind him cocks the gun. And then Percival says, aim for her head. And he also has a a police officer behind him. I'm worried that this is about Tabitha, but I also am worried it's about Veronica. I'm worried about everybody. Yeah. And I think that you're right to be worried about everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Uh, thanks to Sam for hanging out in her room and cutting her own hair while we recorded this podcast. My baby. She's yeah. so smart. Yeah. I would say thank you to my dog, but um, he was uh, a bit of a boofer. Yeah, he was kind of... He was bad. He boofed a little. He did. We still love him, though. Mm-hmm. If you're so inclined, please leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on, because we don't know. <laughs> That'd be great. If you're a fan of The 100, you'd like to talk about that show too. Um, we did seasons four to seven as they were airing, and now we're going back to do the good old days, uh, starting with season three, ending with season one. We're almost done season three there, so um, uh, get going. Mind-blowing, truly. Yeah. If you were a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. We are getting so close to season four. Mm-hmm. So we have covered seasons one to three. Go listen to those, then get ready for season four, besties. Yes, we are going to be posting our uh, first thoughts, yes. so uh, catch up. If you're a fan of Lost, uh, like I've mentioned a couple times this episode, uh, we talk about that show too. We are almost done season three. Uh, It is our longest podcast, uh, our most big brain podcast. We have guests over there and also a spoiler section at the end. So if you want to listen to it uh, while you're watching for the first time, you can. Um, And uh, that would mean the world to me. And we are talking about the storyline that is basically exactly what's happening with Jughead and Tabitha. Yeah. Go ahead. You can follow the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Rebel, YouTube, but mostly Twitter and Ramen Makes Gifts of our favorite line awards on Tumblr. It's true. Our Patreon, like I said earlier, is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because it is expensive. It's free for you to listen to, but it's not free to make, and we'd really appreciate your help. Yes. Yeah. Just recommend us to a friend if you can't do any of those things, and check out our other podcasts. 
Love that journey for us. Uh-huh. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. And my shop, which is Visit Vinnyland. So the next episode is episode 613. It's called Ex Libris. I think that's how you pronounce it um, because I Googled it and there is actually a board game called Ex Libris. And so I clicked on it because there is a, there was a how-to of how to play the board game. And I thought maybe they would say the name of the board game uh-huh. when they did that so that I would be able to know how to pronounce it. And then they didn't. No, they did. But it was done by a girl who uh, uh, played Dimension 20 once. So I was like, hey, there's my friend Becca teaching me how to play this board game, Ex Libris, which seems really confusing. Okay. But I was like, that's my friend. I'll click on this. Well, I'm glad that you figured out how to pronounce it. So Ex Libris, if that's how you pronounce it, uh, is not a film, but it is in fact just Latin. Okay. It is a book owner's identification label that is usually pasted to the inside front cover of a book or a book plate. Ex Libris in Latin means from the library of. So it basically identifies the book's owner in the front of the book. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.